Welcome to the A Better Way to Farm podcast, where we share serious secrets about profitable farming. We appreciate you taking the time to join us, and we hope that you'll love the knowledge we share not only with you today, but also in future episodes. So let's get right into it. Hey guys, Rod here at A Better Way to Farm. We're going to talk about how to make profit farming, and this is part three. There will be at least one more part, and we look forward to you coming in and sharing in that. It's kind of funny, I was talking yesterday about the four R's, right place, right time, right product, and we want to make sure that as we are doing those things, that we get it all right, okay? It was funny because I had the radio on, but it was real low and I couldn't hear it. I looked down, and there's an old 70s song, I think it's by Robert Johns, and it's called Right Place, Wrong Time. And I thought, man, that's that's funny. You know, I was, mostly I was thinking about fall applied anhydrous, it's the right place, it's the wrong time and the wrong product. You know, banding nitrogen is a great idea. Probably not doing it in the fall, that would definitely qualify as the wrong time. Look that song up on YouTube, give it a listen. Anyway, wanna talk about part three. Let's review part one and part two. Part one, we said we we're gonna talk a lot about our products because we hardly ever do that. Wanna make sure you guys realize what we do. Talked about getting a good start. Soil testing, seed emergence aids, what are we gonna do to get things rolling? What's the right product to put in the seed trench? We talked about that. Day two, we had a very lengthy discussion talking about NPK, S, and B, discussing all of those, and I'm not gonna go clear back through that, but I just, guys, it, it was tremendous. And we also talked about how we have to get our calcium right, and what we need to do there. Today, on part three, we wanna talk about micros and spring. Guys, micros are super important. We're talking about all of those different micronutrients like zinc and boron and calcium, or excuse me, calcium is a secondary, but zinc and boron and copper and manganese in particular, iron. Step one is still get a test. We gotta get a soil test or maybe we need to do a tissue test. Doesn't make any difference. We wanna get all the analytical work. And then we wanna get the recommendations as to what we're gonna do and how much to put on that tell us in finite amounts down to how many ounces per acre we need. One of the things on here was we needed copper at 9.88 ounces per acre. That's pretty precise. We're taking all of the guesswork out of it and helping us. We're gonna talk about, you know, we know we gotta get our secondaries right. We wanna get the calcium and the magnesium and the sulfur, and we talked about all of those. I'm gonna talk about magnesium a little bit in here, even though it is a secondary. I wanna reiterate, last night I was talking about when we were doing K, doing potassium, that there's a ratio that's very, very important between magnesium and potassium. And if we get that wrong either way, it, it should be that we have about three times as many parts per million of magnesium as we have potassium. Sometimes I see it where we have twice as much potassium as we have magnesium. That's a huge problem. It's easy to fix. It can be fixed for about seven bucks an acre, but it's a huge problem. I also see it where we have 10 times more magnesium than we have potassium. That's also a huge problem, pretty easy to fix. You give us a call, we'll talk about how it is that you do that. That secondary nutrient is very, very, very important. We wanna make sure that we've got that in the right ratio. So what do we know about zinc? Well, zinc has a lot of different functions in the plant, but one of the things it does is it helps translocate phosphorus. So that's going to make our phosphorus more available and make it work better. What do we know about manganese? Well, we know that the levels have tanked. I'm not gonna say why I think that is, but I think within the industry, there's some commonality there that we made a change about 20 years ago in our chemical program, and it has led to a decrease in our manganese in the soil. We do know that if we co-apply our manganese, 
not someone else's. Ours is 100% chelated, and we're going to get into that here in a little bit. Our 100% chelated with glyphosate that Purdue University says that will increase your yield somewhere between 3 and 17 bushels to the acre. So for $3.50, you can pick up 3 to 17 bushel of corn or beans. I find that a pretty good investment, something that we consider low-hanging fruit that we should grab a hold of and take and run with. What do we know about copper? Well, we know that copper is a very important micronutrient, and of course, the guys that don't sell it say, well, copper is toxic. It is. I'm not going to disagree with that. So is water. If you get enough water on your field, it'll kill the plants. If you put too much copper on, it'll kill the plants. That's why we do a soil test. That's why we do a tissue test and we put on exactly what it calls for. But it really helps as it's important to prevent disease, to help keep disease away. Oh, maybe one of the things we want to take a look at is putting some calcium in furrow. Maybe we rented that farm and the pH is not good, the calcium is low, trying to figure out what to do. So we want to give that baby plant some plant available calcium because why? Calcium is salt cell wall structure. That's going to make those little cells as they're starting to divide much more durable, much more likely to survive, much less likely to implode. And so that's really, really important. What about iron? Well, some of us, if you live where I live in Southern Iowa, we have such high iron that it's a problem. It ties up other things in the soil and makes them unavailable. And so consequently, we don't want to put on any iron. However, I looked at a soil test today and the guy was very deficient in iron. And that, that iron product, when we're deficient, we're going to not have that dark green color we need. We're not going to gather through the photosynthesis because we're not gathering the sun's energy at the rate by which we should. And so what are we going to do with those? Well, we're going to row place them. And if we can't get enough in the row, we're going to talk about putting them on foliar feed. I want to reiterate, I have on my notes a big star, an asterisk, and a circle around it. Buy a sprayer. I know I talked about that yesterday, but I really want to encourage you. As a matter of fact, post if you're watching this, post up here and tell us what kind of a sprayer you have. Is it a pull type? Do you have a self-propelled? If you do, what brand are they? What do you like about them? So the other guys that maybe don't have one can say, well, maybe he likes this and so I should think about that. Tell us what you like about your sprayer and what kind it is so some other guys get some information. Here's what we know. We know that people who have their own sprayer are in charge or in control of their own destiny. That you're going to be able to spray on time. You're going to be able to get the right rates on. You're not going to do it if it's too windy. You're not going to do it when it's too close to a rain. You can take care of all of these things and actually make yourself a lot of money. I want to talk to you briefly about the fact there are a lot of people out there and they're going to tell you, yeah, we got a micro pack. And then they're going to say, we got a micro pack and you should try some. Yeah, just try some. Guys, you know I really dislike that phrase. Why don't you try some? That's code for we don't know if it works or not, but we could use the commission. We'd like you to buy it so we could get our commission and move on down the road. And guys, micro packs are just throwing darts at a board while blindfolded, okay? It's no different than when we used to play with a pinata in grade school and they'd blindfold you and they'd spin you around about six times and you're supposed to try and hit the pinata. That's what using a micro pack is. They tied a blindfold on you, they spun you around a whole bunch of times and said, go get them, tiger. You probably got a better chance of hitting the pinata than you do hitting a home run with the micros. Why? Let's talk about iron for a minute. One of the guys that works with me, Preston, does a great job and he had a gentleman he was working with who had way too much iron in his soils already. And some local person come out and said, hey buddy, we've got a micro pack, why don't you try some? And when he tried some, it cut his yield because the iron had gotten to such a high level 
that when you put more on, it actually decreased the yield. We don't like micro packs for that reason. We like soil tests, we like tissue tests, and we like to put on exactly the micro that we need. That's why we don't sell our micros blended together. We sell you zinc, calcium, manganese, whatever it is, separately, and you get to blend up for each field because the fields that we have are not consistent enough that we can do one thing everywhere. One size fits all agriculture does not exist, okay? It's no different than saying some gentleman went to town to buy a suit and they had one size and it fits everybody, all right? If it's a 52 chest, the guy that uh, weighs 165 pounds isn't gonna look very good in it. And if they put it in a 40 inch chest, which that other guy could wear, the guy which was a 52, he's not gonna look very good in that. That's kind of like a one size fits all. That's why we don't use micro packs. That's why we run the test. That's why we make sure we're doing the right thing. That's why we're putting on exactly what it calls for. I just wanna talk now some about spraying. When we're out there spraying, there's probably not anything that is more, I don't know, I guess timing is big on everything. And no matter what we're spraying, it, it's important to get it right on the time of day. It's important to get it right in the time of the plant's life. It's important to get it done in the right time of the weed's life. So what's the best time to kill a weed? Right before it germinates or shortly thereafter, okay? That's when we wanna kill all of the weeds. Now that being said, Obviously, if we're doing a post-emerge, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to talk about how is it that we're going to get these chemicals to work the best. What are we going to use for a surfactant? I'm going to recommend WEX. Why? Because it'll make your chemicals penetrate the soil a little better, cut down on volatilization, increase root mass, make things work. That's what we're going to do in a pre-emerge. And then we want to make sure we're getting on the right amount of water to get what we want to do there. What are we going to talk about on a post-emerge? On a post-emerge, that's where we get into all of the timing and the products, the rate, all of that, okay? Because it's really important that we're doing exactly what we want. I've looked over the, watched this over the last five years, and sometimes it makes me just scared, literally scared. I get growers call me and they go, well, I did this, 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 and this, and, and I put in, you know, and I used manganese, and the whole deal fell apart. I want you to remix that and don't put in my manganese. Because if some of these guys are out here selling chemicals and they think if they put seven, I've seen as many as eight different old chemicals put together in a witch's brew. Guys, chemistry is a scary thing. If you remember chemistry back in high school and you could mix this and that, sometimes it would explode, sometimes it would smell terrible, sometimes it would boil or fizz. That's what happens when we start dumping all these different weed killers together because we don't know how they're gonna react when we put them all in there. And we wanna make sure that we're not doing that. So let's, use, let's get a system, let's get something down that we want to do and make sure that it's exactly what we wanna do, but we're not just grabbing everything, including the kitchen sink, putting it in a sprayer and hoping that it works. Hope is not a method of weed control. It is a terrible thing to rely on. And so we go out here and we make sure we're using the right ones. And then what are we gonna use for a surfactant? We have several. We have a product that you can use called Combine. That makes things that don't wanna to mix together. I can mix oil and water with our Combine product. We have a really good liquid ammonium sulfate. If you need that, to sequester the minerals. And that's the job of a, an ammonium sulfate. We have a product that strictly knocks foam called Knockout. Another great product if you're fighting foam within some of these chemicals and like they do create. And we have a really good product called Bullseye. It's an anti-drift agent that uses an ounce per 100 gallon to keep that chemical where you want it because we don't want it drifting over to the neighbors. We don't want it you know, going far, far away. We want it to stay where it goes. And then lastly, 
Uh, my favorite product that we have is a product called Rainfast. Those of you who follow us, those of you who are familiar with the page know that I have four kids and you know that my youngest one has ran the science fair circuit really hard and done really well. Her very first science fair project as an eighth grader was that she took three different surfactants that were all supposed to be the best. And she did her homemade Draves test. A Draves test is where you put the right amount of surfactant in the water, measured in grams, okay, for the water that you have, you get the right amount of surfactant. You take a piece of yarn, you put it in the cup, and you see how long it takes the yarn to sink. Well, when Kayla did her science fair project, the yarn where it was in the water with Rainfast sank in less than a minute. The second best product, which by the way, costs two times as much money, and I will not name them, but there is another product that claims to be equal to us. However, it costs twice as much and it took three minutes. So it worked one third as well in Sissy's test. And then we had another product and we did this in our garage and 28 days after we mixed this up, the water had the yarn still floating on it. Now it had become a really good science project and there was all kinds of crud mold and stuff growing on top of it. And after 28 days, the yarn didn't sink and we threw it away for fear we would spill it. And so that's just kind of how the differences are between our product and someone else's. Three times better, half as much cost. It's a product that's fantastic. It takes about six ounces for every 100 gallon of solution that you have. It does wonderful things. So I want to take a look at that Rainfast product. Let's talk about when we should and shouldn't spray. What about the time of day? Let's talk glyphosate, for instance. Glyphosate really requires blue purple uv light to activate it what does that mean it means it needs to be sprayed before evening probably best to spray it before lunch and let it have all day to go there i'm not a big fan of spraying when it's above 86 degrees don't think we get near the kill that we would like to get because the stomata closes up and the weeds don't take the chemical in and therefore we don't get as, as good a job as we would like so maybe before 86 degrees, definitely if we're using glyphosate, we need to know which light. And guys, whatever chemical you're using, ask your chemical rep, what's the best time of day to spray this? And if he says, oh, it doesn't matter, just do it, get a new chemical rep. Say, no, I wanna know what is the best time of day. When am I gonna get the best kill using your product? And if he doesn't know, he should be able to find out for you. If he's unwilling to do that, then you need someone else on your team. We wanna make sure that everybody's working together for you. So let's talk about another reason to own our own sprayer. We've done a lot of test plots. And here, a few years ago, we had a two row planter that we took all over the United States and we were doing plots. And in, in our own personal plot, we had the people come to spray it. When they came to spray it, they mashed down two rows every time they went through the field. And I called them on it and I said, you screwed up our plot here because you smashed two rows. They go, well, that was because you didn't drive right with the planter. And I said, no, if you're smashing one row, that's on me. But if you're smashing two rows at the same time, move over. Great idea, just move over, get off the rows. And guys, I don't think that's that uncommon. Another good reason to own your own sprayer. Back to timing, let's talk about You've got the time of day based on light temperature and some of those other things what else is important how about the stage of the plant i am familiar with a farmer a few years ago it's been probably 10 years ago now they came out he hired someone to spray his soybeans and the result was zero kill they got nothing i don't know what went wrong but the water hemp was going crazy so the people who did the spraying said no big deal mr farmer we will come back 
and we will spray again at no charge. Well, what did that no charge cost? Well, there happened to be a strip in the field that didn't need to be resprayed. And the strip in the field that didn't need to be resprayed made about 12 bushel extra soybeans. So you tell me, what did that cost you? Because the fact of the matter is, we don't wanna be spraying in there at certain stages. When do we wanna be spraying? Probably V3 to V5 and maybe again at V8, and that's on corn or soybeans. We definitely don't wanna be spraying when those beans are in really heavy bloom because anything we do will make those abort and cut our yield. Now, if you've done your own spraying and you get an escape, you have it real dry and it turns off and you get a rain and the water hip comes, you gotta go kill it. I understand that. But it cannot be your intention to do it incorrectly. Your intention has to be to get in there at the right stage of that plant and make sure that we are not doing something that's going to reduce our yield. We wanna make sure we're not inducing stress. We're not reducing yield. We wanna do it at the right time. Lastly, in regards to spraying, here's another good reason to own your own sprayer. I wanna encourage you that a lot of our guys have went and developed something. They're doing something, we call it a stock digester. Now you can go to town and you can spend 20, 25 bucks an acre on a stock digester. And if you want to spend 25 bucks an acre for a good stock digester, mail me the check and I'll send it to you. If you would like to do it for a lot less money than that, then just get a hold of us and we'll give you the recipe for what our stock digester is that guys absolutely love, okay? Something you can do to get those stocks to start to break down and I encourage if you have your own sprayer that you wanna be running that sprayer right behind the combine when you're combining that corn. You will get a lot better breakdown of the residue, you'll recycle the nutrients faster, becomes more available for the bacteria to go to work on. Lots of reasons to do that. So guys, I appreciate you tuning in. We went pretty fast here, but hopefully you find great value in what we're doing. Guys, I wanna encourage you, I had two or three people I talked to today, they're listening to the podcast, they're liking what they're hearing, it's getting their attention, they say it's making them money. Find the podcast for a better way to farm and give it a listen. If you give it a listen, please rate us, tell us, say, make some comments, say whatever you think there about that, we'd appreciate that a whole bunch. If you find value in what we're doing here, we would really encourage you to share this with a friend or with a neighbor, tag someone in it. We appreciate the help. We like sharing this with as many people as we can. And we like bringing value to your farm. All right, guys, we're gonna wrap this up tonight. We're gonna look forward to tuning in sometime tomorrow to part four, and we're gonna talk about fungicides, insecticides, and foliar feeding. And there's gonna be a money-making tip in the middle of it. I hope that you take part in that. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you're having a better evening. Thank you for joining us this week on the A Better Way to Farm podcast. If you found value in this episode, we would appreciate you rating us on iTunes or simply sharing with a friend. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe and tune in next time for serious secrets about profitable farming.